0: welcome to episode four of Antidote. Thank you to everyone that's been listening. We are getting more and more listeners every week and it's really exciting. Our biggest country is the United States which makes sense since we are a US-based podcast but our second biggest country has kind of been going back and forth between Korea and the United Kingdom although the United Kingdom this week has pulled ahead by a couple of listeners so I figured, Why not have someone in the United Kingdom come on the podcast and talk to us about nursing and medicine there? So my guest this week is Eliza. (laughs) Hi. Hi. So Eliza and I were medics in the Army Reserves together a long time ago. And you were going through nursing school then. Back in the day, back in the day. (laughs) And then you worked as a nurse in the States. Mm -hmm. And how long, how long were you there for? Um,
1: maybe a year and a half. Yeah. Before going. Before I moved to UK. Yeah. Before going to London. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, I was just working a regular sort of, I want to say ward based because that's what we say here, but like on a surgical unit type of thing, post-surgical, pre-surgical in Vermont.
0: Didn't you work in Boston too? Or was it just always? I
1: was, yeah, so okay, <laughs> I was in three states in a year and a half. So my very, my very first job, I was a summer camp nurse in Maine. And then after that, moved back to Boston, which is where I'm from. And I was doing like flu jabs and travel vaccinations and stuff for people going abroad. Um, and then I moved up to Vermont for about a year to work on that um, sort of pre-post-surgical Floor packed a lot into a year and a half. A lot of
0: experience, <laughs> yeah. So it must be pretty different working in the UK where there's national healthcare versus mm. our US healthcare, which is messy to say the least.
1: Different, I would say, beautiful patchwork. Yeah, first, want to just apologize to anyone who is looking forward to a nice English accent. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm not your girl, um, but yeah, no, I. Thought it would be interesting. I had a lot of reasons for going to the UK, but thought it'd be interesting to just practice healthcare in a different country. And I speak a little French, and so I was like, "Ah, I'll go to France." And then I was like, "I don't, I don't speak medical French. It's <laughs> <laughs> the stupidest idea." So I thought, "Hey, where do, where else do I speak English?" And it took me a long time to figure out that England was an option. Um, <laughs> so that's how I ended up here uh, in London.
0: So there's a lot of differences. Obviously, that's a nationalized health system, but Mm -hmm. my job doesn't even really exist there. So I'm a nurse practitioner here. And to explain to anyone who is not a U.S. resident or many people in the United States don't even really know what I do, uh, a nurse practitioner, I I work more in like the physician role. So I'm a primary care provider. I diagnose, I prescribe, I do small procedures, I manage your entire healthcare. I'm your your GP. Many of the patients in my practice, because I work in DC where I have full authority, I don't have to work under a physician. So many of the patients in my practice have never seen my physician partners. Of course, this is a collaborative role. And just like any job in medicine, you know we're always working with each other. I learned so much from my physician partner's And I could never be on my own right now, but technically, legally, I could have my own practice in D.C. That's not the case in every jurisdiction in the U.S., but we are advanced trained nurses to act more in that clinician role. But that's not really a thing in the U.K., is that
1: correct? No, yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely correct. And when I was first sort of getting into the thick of all the paperwork of moving over, I thought, God, I'm spending all this time and money and paperwork getting my license, sort of what's the next step once I get over there? And I was looking and there's there's a title which is called nurse practitioner and another title which is called like nurse consultant. And those are sort of higher level, more educated, absolutely, maybe even with the masters, nurses. But the pay difference is maybe... higher, as opposed to kind of double (laughs) that it normally kind of is in the US. And there's no professional like regulating body. So you kind of have all this education. And yes, you're quite autonomous in certain ways, you might run some clinics, you might go on to like a nurse prescribing course where you can prescribe certain drugs if you're evaluated on them. Um, But it's not quite the same role as a nurse practitioner. And in England, they have another thing, called a surgical care practitioner, I think. It's kind of the same idea. You can do minor surgeries, and this is more so, I think, in outlying hospitals. I've never encountered them in London. But they can do, yeah, minor minor surgical procedures. I would kind of picture like an appendectomy or something kind of straightforward, hernia reduction, things like that. Um, and then there's yet another, <laughs> like, another role that nurses can fulfill. Like if me, like staff nurse sort of role, I could go into like a three-day biopsy course and then start excising melanomas and skin cancers. But there's not, no, there's not quite the same role as a nurse practitioner or even a physician's assistant, um, which to anyone in the UK is kind of like a, I wouldn't say like mini doctor, but it's kind of just a hair below the doctor. They can still do a lot of intervention assessment prescribing, um, but it's not quite there. But anyway, they don't have that sort of thing in the UK, which I found surprising.
0: You would think that, they would want more clinicians and i say clinician as in the what we call the provider role so physician type people especially in a nationalized yeah. health system because we are cheaper and i think that's where a lot of the role came about in the us is you know nurse practitioners were created to treat underserved children in rural areas because we were cheaper to train and you know we we cost less so we can provide more patient care and usually you see nurse practitioners mm-hmm. working in rural underserved areas so we really expand access and you would think in the national health system where they're kind of all about saving money yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're less you know commercially driven than we are in the states they would want to do that too but there's there's always a big pushback from physicians organizations against nurse practitioners because they think that we should only work under them. The fact that we have any sort of autonomy anywhere is a big, big thorn in the paw of the American Medical Association. They're, they're not happy with that at all. But studies have shown again and again that nurse practitioners have equivalent, if not better, outcomes for their patients. And a lot of that has to do with the patient teaching that we as nurse practitioners do. We start out as nurses where your entire nursing education is based on patient education and teaching them about their disease state. And then when you go on to a higher level of practice, you continue to do that. And so the more the patient knows about what's going on with them, the better they're able to take care of their self. And I think that has a big part of compliance and outcomes and why nurse practitioners are, you know, so successful in the United States. But nurses don't get paid like they get paid here in the States. In the States, nurses can make a lot of money. Not everywhere, of course. <laughs>
1: but I'm yeah, sure yeah. there's nurses listening to
0: this going, I don't make <laughs> shit. <laughs> what is this girl talking about? Just move it's- to England. <laughs> See what that's like. But I heard recently <laughs> that uh nurses in the UK, you don't make much money.
1: No. And this is all I'm happy talking about it because this is all open source information online if you want to look up a UK nurse's salary. So basically, outside of London. Should we talk about this?
0: Yeah, sure. (laughs) Should
1: should we be realistic? Okay. Um, Outside of London, I think the starting salary for a staff nurse. So we have a banding system that's like band five is a staff nurse. Band six is a senior staff nurse. Band seven is sort of like a sister. Band eight is normally like a matron role. And it kind of varies the Sister would be a charge nurse? No. Sister is kind of like a nurse manager normally. Okay. Yeah, so senior staff nurse would often be a charge nurse. Yeah. Okay. But again, the structure is so different, it kind of blew my mind. But um yeah, so okay, so staff nurse outside of London, I think they're around eighteen grand a year, which I was shocked. I was like, Oh my god. Yeah. Eighteen
0: grand like US dollars or pounds? Pounds so-
1: pounds. So figure one point three, so we're maybe around twenty two or
0: something. Twenty two thousand dollars to be a staff nurse?
1: Yeah. Something
0: like that. And
1: then maybe that math was really bad. Maybe it's 25. But yeah, right. Exactly. And then once you go into London, there's something called the enhancement because you're in the middle of the city. Um, And I think that's another five k. So 26, maybe for a staff nurse, which I was, I was completely like, shocked when I came in to the UK. The only real way to come to the UK as a nurse is to be with a travel nursing agency. And they kind of help Get your visa together and all sorts of stuff, and so when I heard that my salary would be thirty three thousand, I was like, How am I going to survive and then I looked and I saw you know all my colleagues would be earning that much less. I was like,
0: Oh, my god' That's shocking so I actually just did the conversion, so one point 3- three US dollars equals a pound. So eighteen thousand pounds is twenty three four five four. Yeah. Basically twenty three thousand yeah. dollars a year and your taxes are higher there yeah. too, right? Um mm, there may be a twenty to
1: twenty five percent ish. But that comes with free
0: healthcare. I mean, that good.
1: <laughs> so it is, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, but still. I, mean, I was
1: surprised to find that that was actually okay to live on.
0: Is there overtime and stuff too? Can you make more money
1: or is that a flat there rate? There is or? something called banking. So it's kind of, uh, I kind of equate it to per diem nursing, right? Where it's like a little bit more money, yeah. um, but it's outside of your contracted hours basically. Um, so you can do a bank shift, but those again are kind of like, Uh, maybe 180 pounds for a day shift which isn't really commensurate it's not time and a half in other words and when I when I look at people here and I'm like no I don't really want to do that they're like why it's good
0: money I'm like no it's not
1: Yeah. So
0: it's wild. Yeah. Oh, God. So just to kind of as a comparison, when I started out as an RN, I worked in home care. So this was not the ideal location. We got paid less than we, you would get in a hospital, like a big fancy hospital. Mm. You didn't have to have a BSN. So you didn't have to have a bachelor's degree. So they, they could pay less for you. I was making so I was making $26 an hour, which works out to 54000 yeah, 54, yeah. 54, a year which is basically twice over twice what you guys make as like a staff nurse. Oh yeah. Yeah. Plus I was getting overtime time and a half for anything over 40 hours. If it was holiday pay, I would get double pay Right. weekend differentials and you could work multiple jobs. And then when you go on to being a nurse practitioner, again, very, very, very variable.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> Say that seven times fast. Nurse practitioners, very regularly are making six figures yeah
1: oh absolutely and that to me was like once my other half kind of was like okay you're gonna be fine like London is not that expensive I kind of like chilled out but
0: London's not that expensive
1: (laughs) I mean it's expensive but he was like no like that's that's fine that's like a reasonable wage it is though like to sort of millennials people our age-ish that's kind of, you know, 30, 40 is kind of a solid wage for like someone that's kind of a few years out from university, um, which I found surprising because I'm like, God, London, everything is expensive. Why aren't people making more? But that's just it. Like, that's just kind of the going rate. So I kind of finally got over that. I've been here almost three years.
0: Well, I guess they're also not paying off student loans.
1: Exactly. <laughs> there's not, there's none of that I, at all. <laughs>
0: I, I make a great salary, but uh, I'm also paying a mortgage and student loans. <laughs> something takes a
1: huge bite out of it every month.
0: As I'm laughing, but actually crying on the inside. Just a little bit.
1: Yeah. just. A, but here I am. Yeah. American nurse going over there. I'm like, yeah, still paying student loans from back in America. And you joined the army. To yeah. Well, yeah. Good Lord. The nurses here, actually, it's interesting. They have something called a bursary, which they get paid to go to school. Only a very tiny amount, like a few hundred pounds a month. But there isn't. Tuition, because this is all sort of run by the government. Nurses go to school; it doesn't cost them to go to school, and they get a little bit of a kicker, I would call it army term, <laughs> for for becoming a nurse. And then you are kind of serving in the NHS almost, like if you want to think of it that way. Because yeah, they're going to pay you to go to school to to then work in the NHS. Um, and I don't think you actually owe them any time, kind of like the army; you don't owe them a few years, but you get that degree and then. Um, Yeah, you get paid sort of the whole way through. So I found that really interesting as well.
0: So any crazy stories about being over there? Any fun experiences? Funny you should ask that. (laughs) Funny that I have a podcast about this. (laughs)
1: Now that we've gotten out of the logistics (laughs) of getting to England. So I was working with an agency that's a travel nursing agency. And they're similar in the UK to in the US. You kind of know going into it. Well, that place is short. I and mean, it's probably for a reason, right? So that was kind of, yeah, my first job. Soon as I got my license through, that was on, I think, of Friday. They were like, okay, you start Monday on a trauma ward. And I was like, cool, yeah? Like, I was still young in the mind. I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> first day, they're like, all right, welcome, Eliza. Here are your... Five patients, seven patients. Don't know how many patients. They did something also called buddy nursing, where you have a, a, another nurse with you, and you have nine patients together, and that's even worse. But I was like, "What is this place?" And you you open the drug trolley, and it kind of looks like a mm, clothing. That sounds fun. I mean, <laughs> if you imagine Narnia, but full of pills, and like, yeah, it's like you open Harry Potter this... on a
0: trip. <laughs> yeah. I literally felt these like pictures a pictures are
1: moving. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, okay. So like, it's all, yeah. Just the Wild West sort of situation. Don't really know how to explain how I felt going there. I knew it would be different and challenging and you can't compare these things. But like, you open this. This is a this... hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're in a trauma hospital. Got it. Trauma okay. center. Yeah. And um, yeah, you open this little Cupboard thing that rolls around kind of like a workstation on wheels whatever they call this in the hospitals but enormous and you open it it's like like someone's dresser drawers full of pill bottles and like there's no barcode scanning or you know wristband scanning or double checks of this you just have to like pay attention and make sure you're definitely getting like Lyrica out of the cupboard like you're popping these, I'm like I'm going nuts because I'm used to like a, a pixis or an omni cell like in America where it's like, okay, the machine spits out a little like hermetically sealed pill with a barcode on it and you scan the person and you scan the pill and there's yeah. no way like unless you're being really, really stupid, like there's no way you're gonna mess that up.
0: Yeah, in the US just to interrupt you, yeah. Every patient has a wristband, there's a barcode on it. Before you administer a medication, you have to scan the medication barcode then you or you scan the patient you scan the medication it's all in this computer that you bring to the patient so everything is entered into the system the time that it's done the who the nurse is that you're administering it if there is an error that you scan the wrong medication the computer screams at you and it's flagged in the system and then you have to do these overrides (laughs) and like you have to go get the other one and even to get the the pills out of this giant super lockbox Pixis station fingerprint fingerprinted yeah. for certain medications that are controlled you have to have someone type in their code if you're wasting part of it like the vial contains two cc's and you only need one cc of morphine. witness you gotta waste part witness. of it. Yeah. witnesses yeah it's like very very locked down but so this is just like somebody's nightstand drawer with like a shit All ton pills. of pills and you're just like handing them out willy-nilly like and i'm talking you know
1: this is nothing against the people that work in like where I worked because they're absolute sure, saints. Yeah. But like, you know, it's busy. You're you're it's flipping tops off bottles. You're punching pills out of packets. And there are pills rolling around in this drawer. And I'm just like, oh, I recognize that one. And it's kind of like flying away and like Harry Potter. Yeah. So I opened this thing. and I'm like, oh, <laughs> and I looked at the nurse, at one of the nurses. I think I had three days of orientation to a, ner- a, nursing in England and B, nursing on a trauma ward in London. So, okay. So I look at her and I'm like, I don't know if I know how to do this. And she's like, what are you talking about? You're a nurse. And I was like, okay, all right. You know what you're doing. You're a nurse. And I'm like, okay, this drug, this patient. And i like, it took me like forever to figure out the system because there is no system, right? It's like, you literally have to pay attention. I'm not used to this. So yeah, so that was really, really interesting. And yeah, dealing with so many patients and dealing with buddy nursing, which I think is great, but also confusing because you don't know if anything is getting done. That was really interesting. But there there are a couple little stories I can tell. Oh, please do. Do we start with the good one? Do we start with the bad one? Um, Okay, well, just being a trauma ward. Okay, we're in London. A lot of people just getting stabbed. Because there's no guns. And no guns. So we use knives. So stab, stab, motor vehicle accident. Stab, stab. Stab, stab. Drunk fell out a window.
0: Stab, stab, stab. These sorts
1: of things. This is just kind of the nature of the beast.
0: Maybe not the nicest patients. Sure. I feel like the accent, yeah. it only goes so far as charming. <laughs> Once you've been stabbing so- You can be surprised. Everyone thinks the English accent is so charming.
1: But I was saying to someone the other day, these are like maybe 15 16 year old kids and they're like ayo girl give me that dosage now and i'm like you little (laughs) monster that's not how you speak to me i'm a professional so that was shocking the queen would
0: not approve of this the queen
1: will (laughs) never have you for tea but anyway so like that was alarming but one of the stories we had and bear with me if this is confusing to follow because even i had a really hard time understanding the story there was basically a man innocent bystander This man. As part of a gang initiation, they ambushed this guy coming out of his home, put a gun to his head, and made him cut off one of his limbs. Oh my god. Using a power tool. They literally like handed it to him and were like, Cut this off. Like, oh my god.
0: Question Power Tool like a saw or a
1: drill? Similar. I'm going to just be a little vague because okay, yep. whatever it was, it was slow and it was sloppy. And he came in, sure enough, with missing a limb. And we were like, what? it was like, nice guy. We're like, what? And I, me, myself, How this was... How far up
0: was the amputation?
1: Not too, not too far. It was quite a low distal sort of amp. But at the same time, I'm like, what is this place? And then you kind of think, okay, they don't have guns, so they're going to use other things <laughs> like it was just mental
0: but they, it's crazy to but me. they did hold a gun yeah to oh it? yeah
1: they so okay so they had a gun right? okay but this is the gang initiation don't know whose idea this was but the gang initiation was you know hold someone up or at least he thought he had a gun to his head it could have been a back of a screwdriver or something but anyway
0: right i mean you're probably not challenging authority in this situation who knows what it was right yeah. exactly late at night he, he thought he had a gun to his head
1: so yeah so i guess this this idea was to Hold a guy up, make him cut a limb off. But like he wasn't even involved in the gang. He was like completely innocent bystander. So. Oh,
0: okay. So, yeah, he's not being initiated. Got it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. So, as part of this, is exactly the story is confusing because I even didn't understand it. Some one of these kids in the gang is trying to get initiated. So, I guess they're holding a gun to his head, having him cut his foot off or his arm or whatever it was. And yeah, and he came to us and nicest guy. It was just horrendous. And I was one of the first people. I was like, what is this place? <laughs> but yeah, I know that's the sort of thing. They don't, they don't really have a lot of violent gun crime. I and mean, I don't believe that there was a real gun, but it, maybe it was a squirt gun. So yeah, so they resort to these very bizarre rituals and stabbings, a lot of stabbings.
0: Well, we used to get all sorts of trauma in EMS too. I mean, there was gun violence. Sure, we had like yeah. shootings fairly regularly, but there was plenty of non-gun violence. <laughs> and I think a lot of times that the gun violence is... Reported about more, Mm. but there are plenty of machete attacks in the United States. There are plenty of really creative, violent tactics that we would see all the time in EMS. You know, I worked in a very, very low income urban area. And look, have you seen someone's leg chopped apart with a machete? We would just walk up to someone and they had been uh, attacked by a gang and with a machete. And we're just like, all right, I'm just gonna start folding the skin back in place here, and we're gonna tape this up, and we're just gonna go to the hospital because. Hey, hey, hey. So sinister. Like, wh- who are these kids? Yeah, they were like rival. This was a rival gang member. So you were kind of like, oh yeah. Well, maybe you should <laughs> not be involved in gangs. Absolutely. That's a whole different socio-economic <laughs> discussion of why we have yeah, gangs, but. Definitely. And it's, you know, it that makes it a little bit better for you as the yeah. provider to not feel so bad for the patient when, you know, they probably did something to somebody and then that's why they're missing a lot of skin.
1: Yeah. Somehow they got there. Yeah. There, there are innocent bystanders. But when
0: it's an friend. innocent bystander, yeah. yeah, that's so terrible.
1: More often than not, though, it was these boys that are like, yeah, like 16, stabbing each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they they obviously their brains aren't developed, right? So they no, don't really not. understand consequence and they're just doing this for the adrenaline and the I don't know praise of their friends. And we're sitting there kind of half babysitting them, half providing medical care, and then we're also trying to separate, like, okay, this gang over here, this gang over here. We right. had Bays, which was something that was new to me in England, which like the original was nightingale bays. Yeah. Like Florence nightingale, like beds Ah, after beds, (laughs) Ah, yeah. Beds after beds, after beds, like in one big room. So now they've kind of cut that down. So you have kind of four man bays here and there. Um, So, yeah. So you have to kind of manage that and gang a over here, gang B over there. You have to be really careful. I'm sure this is the same in the States. Like, you know, you have to kind of have a little bit of knowledge of what gang is doing what. And, is someone going to come and try to finish them off or do we have to be?
0: Yeah, that was a big deal in EMS. We had to know who was wearing what colors, uh, what gangs were active in the area. And I'm not going to start naming gang names because I don't want to become a target of any gangs, but we knew who was active. And there were several times that we would go to scenes that a gang had tried to punish someone, tried to kill them. And they would realize that, we as the ambulance were there mm. trying to save someone and we were actively working them and they would go, oh, they're not dead. And then they would try like chase us mm. in the ambulance or they would try and get into the ambulance and the cops oh, would be yeah. there. And there was times we had to call the state troopers because we were being followed on the highway by uh, gang members of the opposite gang. Yeah. And- it was like, <laughs> I don't get paid enough. Obviously, I'm still getting paid even as an EMT more than an English nurse, but right. still not getting paid enough for this. <laughs>
1: it's true. And that was just, to me, I was just like, oh, my God. And on where I was working, maybe not the loveliest people who are calling you, hey, girl, but that was, it was just something to get used to. But beyond being just a trauma ward, There was kind of like a surgical aspect to it. We got surgical overflow a lot of the time because that's what we were experienced in. Um, A more lighthearted thing that happened on that same ward. And this goes back to sort of the language barrier that exists between the English, English and American English.
0: (laughs) We've already had to do a lot of translation just in the
1: 45 minutes we've
0: been chatting. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. Bleeping and all the rest of it. And
0: you're American.
1: (laughs) And ward and people call me sister. And I'm just like, oh, God. Anyway. Endless, but this one was particularly upsetting <laughs> or hilarious, depending on how dark your humor is.
0: My humor is very dark.
1: <laughs> so here it goes. So basically, we already kind of discussed the patient population where I was, was largely kind of younger guys that had gotten stabbed for whatever reason. We won't even speculate.
0: I mean, there's so many reasons to get stabbed.
1: So many. Fell on Sometimes a knife. you don't
0: even really... <laughs> you don't
1: really need a reason. <laughs> I've stabbed myself cutting a bit tomato before. But anyway, so yeah, so there was this guy, and he was sort of my age, and he had gotten stabbed. Unfortunately, this was one of those bystander situations. So the sweet, mm. sweet guy, everybody liked him. So it was sort of the morning time, maybe 10 o'clock. And that's kind of the point where everyone's kind of getting washed up. And we kind of congregate around the nursing area and or the nurse's desk or whatever. And Everyone's like, oh, yeah, oh, so-and-so this morning. I was like, yeah, yeah, he's good. He just had a shower. He's putting on a clean Johnny, and then I'm going to go see him. He's Yeah, he's just behind the curtain. And they looked at me like I had ten heads. They were like, he's putting on <laughs> a what? And I was like, he's putting on a <laughs> clean Johnny, and I'm just going to go see him in a second, he just had a shower. Yeah, Sure. And, like, their expressions did not change. And I was like, what's wrong?
0: I I said something. I don't know what I said, but something's yeah. not right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you know what's wrong with this picture, Chris? I'm going to make no? it – I'm going to guess. All right. Don't guess. I'll tell you. It's – a Johnny is a condom. That's what I was thinking. Lord have mercy. So they literally thought that this guy had just – anyway, I don't even have to tell you. I was like – and like you could you could tell sort of the look on their face english people are very polite but you could tell that they were like this new girl really don't want to have to have a discussion about professional standards on her second day of work but holy
0: she's yelling at doctors she's putting condoms on patients we are we are shipping her back to america (laughs)
1: they were looking at me like i was psychotic like what do you do in america it is 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> this is not a program. Bur- and I was like, like, a Johnny. And they were like, oh, my God. And I was like, I kind of like made the motion, like wearing a gown. And they were like, oh, a gown. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it was sort of like despair and relief and like just utter horror. And and I was like, yeah. And they were like, oh, my God. And like everyone just sort of breathes a sigh of release. Yeah, it was just, it was hysterical after about five minutes because everyone, it was so tense for a minute they thought that they had just gotten this psycho woman shipped from America and I never have lived that one down they were like, oh yeah, make sure you got enough
0: clean johnnies for the morning, <laughs> like, oh my god. Oh, imagine if you had been like, well, I have all these dirty johnnies over here, we really have to. Yeah, yeah, guys,
1: guys, why are they all over the floor?
0: They're all soiled, it's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs>
1: you guys you have to change them at least every day but oh my god like it was just completely mortified like horrific (laughs) but that was one of those other things that i was like okay we are not in kansas anymore like please (laughs) adopt quickly the new vocabulary it's called a gown not a gown a gown is something made of silk you know that you wear to a ball i don't know what to tell you but (laughs) yeah right exactly a um But a Johnny, certainly don't wear a Johnny any of these places because you will get looks. So yeah, so that was just crazy. That was one of those funny stories. But I found another thing that has just kind of resonated with me because even patients here ask me, they're like, oh, how is it different, right? Like, how is the care that you're getting in the hospital different? And I say to them, like, when it comes to an emergency, if there's a real problem, The care is like top notch. You're going to get, like, you're going to get sorted out. You're going to get all the tests you need. They're going to fix you, like the trauma doctors and the internal care specialists and what have you. They are fantastic, like world class. They'll figure it out. When it comes to stuff like, oh, my hip really bothers me. Well, then you join a waiting list. And that's when people get really pissed off yeah. with the NHS. And this is why, like, in my head, I kind of equate it to the VA a little bit because they have waiting times and they have strict appointment policies and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, think about how many people in the country probably have a similar problem. It's so unfortunate that the National Health Service doesn't have the capacity to keep up with all of these referrals, and that's why you end up with these wait times. But when it comes down to it, if there's a – Question of whether you have cancer, you're going to be seen within two weeks, and of that's it. And if you're if you're admitted through trauma, like A and E, which is um, the ER, A and E, Accident and Emergency, mm-hmm. same thing as the ER. Anyway,
0: <laughs> not the TV you, station.
1: Exactly right. Dramas, soap operas. <laughs> no, no. Well, kind of, kind of the same, but different. You're gonna get really good care and world class and state of the art and just amazing. But, yeah, it's sort of the things that could make your life better, quality of life things like, yeah, I sort of have this, like, you know, derm issue or maybe, yeah, a hip replacement would do you well or whatever. That's when you get, like, just long, long waiting times. Whereas in the States, maybe you've got private insurance, kind of everyone does, and that wait time is sort of slashed in half or a quarter or whatever. It's really, yeah. That's where it kind of breaks down. Not breaks down, but that's where people have complaints, in other words.
0: If you have health insurance, you can get great health care in the United States if you can pay for it. Yeah. Obviously, if you don't have health insurance, that's a big, big problem. Expensive problem. Expensive problem. I mean, you mentioned, you know, if you have cancer, you can get seen in two weeks. I had a patient last year who came in for a one sided fairly large cervical lymphadenopathy, oh. so big swollen lymph node just on one side of his neck, no associated illness or anything. And it was very suspicious. Yeah. And I said, I want a CT of his neck this afternoon. He had been there for over a month. So greater than one centimeter, greater than a month, not going away with any association. I got a CT for him that afternoon. And then it came back with a large mass, you know, a, a neck cancer. And this was a Friday I had a biopsy for him Tuesday. Biopsy results came back Thursday, and he was seeing interventional radiology that same day on Thursday and then getting started with chemo on Friday. So, within a week, crazy. he was starting treatment. It was very fast. Or, well, I mean, maybe it was starting treatment the next week or something, but it, we moved very, very, very quickly. And yeah. now he's actually cancer free. So, We can move extremely fast in the United States when you have people that want to because the money's there. Right, definitely. Unfortunately, that's for people that can pay for it. If you can't pay for it, well...
1: Very difficult.
0: Sorry. Two weeks would be wonderful if you had... Yeah, definitely. Two weeks would be absolutely amazing if you didn't have health insurance.
1: And it's hard to know. People are are asking me always here. They're like, oh, I wish we had that model. And it's like, well... I don't know what the right answer is. I, I think it's kind of a blend of the two. And then here in the UK, you can get private insurance. Um, and I think you see people do that, that it's not necessarily that you have money, but if you've got an issue and you don't want to wait a long time, get private insurance, get it sorted out, and then just be done with it. Um, so there's always that option.
0: I guess it'd be more expensive. And are there doctors that take private insurance? Like, are there just private clinics? So, okay,
1: so the way private insurance works here.
0: And my other
1: half will correct me if I'm wrong, because I probably will be. But you buy insurance. Yeah, you pay monthly. Some, some employers will actually pay for you to have private insurance, or they'll subsidize it, kind of like in the U.S. And then if you have an issue that requires a specialist, say you've got some cardiovascular issue, like your heart. Your heart is causing problems. Mm-hmm. You'll probably be seen at a private hospital. But if you have something going on that is not covered by one of those hospitals, you'll be treated in the NHS. And sometimes even private doctors will tell you, oh, yeah, you've got this suspicious mole. It'll probably be quicker for you to just be seen in the NHS. And if you come in as a trauma, like if you get hit by a car and you go to accident and emergency, so ER, there Mm -hmm. is no such thing as a private ER. You're going to go to one of the NHS hospitals because private hospitals don't have A&E. Um, it doesn't actually really make sense because who can you, how can you tell if that person lying on the floor has private insurance or not? It doesn't really make sense. So they all just come in through um, through the ER at an NHS facility. And it's funny because those people sometimes can say, oh, I have private insurance. I want to be treated privately. And we say, okay, we'll, we'll see if the, if your private hospital can if, if they have the capacity to treat what's going on with you, does that make yeah. sense? The scope. They're not trauma hospitals. So it doesn't, It almost never makes sense to transfer one of them to a private hospital, but they kind of get in a huff because they're saying, Yeah, I'm paying for this insurance. But we're kind of saying back to them, OK, but this is a trauma center. Why would you want to be treated by someone that doesn't specialize in trauma? They have yeah. their specialties. They might do like pulmonology and cardiology and, you know, anything. They can do all sorts of stuff. But when it comes down to it, don't you want to be treated in a hospital that, you came through that emergency room and you've got trauma doctors looking at you every day. Right. And I, I don't know, that was always funny to me.
0: You wouldn't go to a neurologist for a broken leg. Right. So,
1: But they do sometimes.
0: Patients in the UK still have
1: as much autonomy of their own care and I, I always, like, fiercely advocate for that. As they should, yeah. But at the same time, you kind of have to explain, like, well, it doesn't really make sense. So it's kind of funny. It's like a weird split. Patient education. Yeah. And that, it doesn't always come from the nurses as much as I found it did in the States. Like I always found myself just talking patients ears off because a lot of the time where I was on a surgical ward, they would have their, you know, part of their bowel resected or they'd have a stoma formed and that was new. And so you're, you're teaching and you're talking all day long and you're answering questions. But there's sort of this reverence, in England to the doctor and that's who the patient wants to listen to a lot of the time and that's just sort of a historical where the information comes from if that makes sense so it does kind of make it difficult but I still talk their ear off I'm like that's
0: that's so weird because here in the states the nurses are the ones that are the educators I mean the doctor will come in and tell you some things sure and the patients do want to hear from the provider of course but The providers will say, "Okay, you, you know, we Mm. diagnosed you with diabetes. Okay, now the diabetes nurse educator, who is specially trained in teaching about your diabetes and your medications and how to administer insulin and how to check your blood sugar and what foods to eat, they're gonna sit down for hours with you and teach you about your disease. And even if the doctor doesn't order teaching, you're gonna do it, yeah." bet your ass the nurse the nurses on your shift are going to come in and do teaching and when you go to nursing school yeah right. we have these <laughs> ugh, these nursing diagnoses risk of oh god you roll your eyes at them i mean they're important sure they're part of the profession but holy shit they suck i i hate nursing diagnoses i never use them i never use them no no
1: risk of impaired skin integrity it's like
0: um but every <laughs> single time i remember being like haunted by this in school is Every single patient has a knowledge deficit. Absolutely. You need to find something that you were going to teach them. I remember so Absolutely. clearly in school, I was at a clinical and you have to write your nursing diagnoses for the patient that you're seeing in the clinical. And my clinical instructor goes, you didn't put a knowledge deficit diagnosis down for this one. Oh my I'm gosh. like, the woman, I, I can't figure one out for this patient. She goes, every patient has a knowledge deficit for something. I mean, this woman was nice. I'm doing kind of a bitchy voice, no but kidding. <laughs> we we our heads on things, and I was like, the woman, is a physician in, like the Ukraine. She just doesn't speak English really well. She knows way more about this than I do. She's here for, yeah, yeah. I think it was some GI thing that she was like on a telefloor. I can't teach her something. There's no knowledge. She goes, well, she has a knowledge deficit related to language, and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so applicable. I'm not going to teach a Ukrainian woman English as a nursing student. That's your intervention. She goes, That's your intervention. I'm like, Oh my God. No, teaching English is not my intervention. Well, you can find her resources. Now go away. <laughs> and that's what nursing school is. Wow, <laughs> oh, nurses get jaded. But, well,
1: I don't know. That's just how I kind of found it, at least on the inpatient side. But where I am now, I work in patients which is fantastic. You have something called a clinical nurse specialist? I did hear about this. These are cool. Yeah. Yeah. So similar idea. They don't get paid a whole lot more. Terrible. Terrible idea. (laughs) But the whole role is based around sort of following the patient journey. And they do have them in certain inpatient settings. Like, for example, cancer. If you're having a bone marrow transplant, there's probably a BMT clinical nurse specialist that kind of guides you along and they provide a ton of education and sort of reassurance and stuff, but that's their like role, hundred percent. And those doctors are busy, so they don't they don't sit there and talk all about this you know, bone marrow transplant pre, post, aftercare, what to expect, et cetera. So that's what the clinical nurse specialist is so integral to those sort of areas.
0: We have the clinical nurse specialists here, but they are more similar to nurse practitioners where a clinical nurse specialist will be like in psychiatry mm. and they can diagnose and prescribe and treat for mental health. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't think I've ever even yeah, heard of Yeah. They're used, they're used more like in the middle of the country than the coast. Okay. They're more popular. Interesting. I honestly don't really know too much about them having been an East coast person. Oh, I don't know anything about them either. So if anyone's a clinical nurse specialist in the United States, Ooh, please let me know us. what you do and what your credentialing is like, because it's, yeah, it's a, a burgeoning role in nursing yeah
1: and that's like that's why it's so surprising there isn't something quite like an NP in the UK where the idea is to largely cut costs because it's a government organization and to kind of have more bodies like you can only send so many people through med school but nurse practitioner school is at least a little bit shorter and yeah I don't know it just has always surprised me but a clinical nurse specialist we just call them CNS's there's no formal training you kind of get the job because you're well-versed in that area and you have a lot of like strong clinical skills and experience Um, and it's kind of all on the job you kind of learn how to manage patients you know if they need a line if they need a scan if they need this that the other thing the doctors will kind of you'll either detect it on your own and kind of make that decision or the doctor will say hey can you sort this out monitor this so they're they're kind of like Maybe, maybe, like a mini nurse practitioner role because they're they're quite involved in every individual patient's um care. But, yeah, no, it's it's an interesting role because it's not quite the same. again, yeah, really intensive patient education, things like that, more like American nursing to me at least
0: it's amazing how different things are. And now learning what just what you've said about mm-hmm. the physician role versus the nurse role, I can definitely see why nurse practitioners are not a thing there why they haven't kind of I don't even know how to word it but why there hasn't been more like yeah I want to be a nurse practitioner and has been more pushing for it because if nurses are supposed to be more subservient and I don't want to say that and be insulting to UK nurses because obviously they are very very educated and very skilled but if the culture is there where the roles are more clearly delineated then I can see that it would be harder for a nurse practitioner like what I do to come out of yeah. that.
1: It's kind of like this love hate thing I have with nursing Here is like, it's so old school, like Florence Nightingale. It's like the hospital kind of down the street. St. Thomas's is where she practiced nursing and sort of- She still haunts it to this day. Ah, yeah, I'm sure she does. <laughs> um, but like nuns and things, they would line up the nurses in their white dresses and just make sure their shoes were clean and stuff, and it was so like... So army, getting inspected. yeah, military, yeah, exactly. Dress right dress. Really, yeah, exactly, this sort of like, you know, yeah, traditional thing, and the nurses had their roles, and the doctors had their roles, but it's almost created sort of this glass ceiling. If there's going to be a role like a nurse practitioner, they're really going to have to prove themselves, so it hasn't happened, but um, I think... In the future, especially with the surgical practitioner role that they have for nurses and things, I think more and more you're going to find that it's just something's got to give. There's there's so many waiting lists and things like that. They're going to have to start outsourcing more and more towards nurses and other um, professionals. But it'll be interesting to see what, what happens in the next few years with it.
0: Yeah, nurses are an educated and adaptable workforce. Totally. I think it's probably just a matter of time before they kind of expand the role even more.
1: I hope so. So we'll see what happens with it. But it's definitely been really eye-opening for me learning what it's like to work in a completely different system. So private insurance versus the government sort of system of the NHS. And then, yeah, sort of the assumptions that people make about both sides can be really wrong and sort of my take home to everyone that always asks me about it is you're still getting excellent excellent care the only time people get frustrated is when something could be better like a joint or something sort of less pervasive than cancer or you know a motor vehicle accident or something but no definitely still world-class care um just provided in a different way and when people ask what nursing's like here i just say It's like cooking in someone else's kitchen. It's like, yeah, okay, I know what I'm doing. It doesn't look like I know what I'm doing because I I don't know how to use your blender. But like we're we're still making a smoothie at the end of the day. Like it's all, you're going to get to the same end result. The way of doing it is just going to be different. I like that analogy. Yeah, and like that's what it feels like. If you've ever cooked in someone else's kitchen, it is freaking disorienting. You're like, I swear I'm not this useless. I've done this before. (laughs) Right, exactly. Who doesn't have knives? (laughs) Exactly. And like even the smallest things like makes you feel like a complete idiot. But it's like, guys, I know what I'm doing. I've just never used this tpn or iv pump or something i know i look like an idiot right now but i promise
0: oh technology will always make you look like an idiot when whether oh you're going God. to a new hospital or a new country <laughs> absolutely absolutely i would love to have a uk nurse come to the united states and see what we do that they think is different yeah what they think is just so mind-blowing that we do that they would never i'm sure there's doing. stuff that we do that is just rough. probably paying for healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> i could go on, that just on. Me i know i'm sure Maybe maybe we'll do another episode. We'll have you come back if something <laughs> crazy happens again. If you oh yell at more positions. <laughs> I will keep you posted. Just just so Liza got fired, and we're gonna do a podcast about it. Exactly. Uh, let me tell you
1: about what it's like to get fired from the NHS. T- to be honest, one of the things that's been really incredible, the NHS is so diverse. So I thought, oh, I'll be so exotic. I'm the American.
0: No, no. <laughs> americans
1: <laughs> hungarians
0: silly self-centered american thinking you're to be the only one australians
1: people from new zealand people from literally every corner of the world you are not special <laughs> i just speak english with a funny accent that's literally it um so i have loved that because doesn't matter where you're from you all get the same education work in the same job i i, I have just thought that's fantastic london is a real melting pot but in some In some cities that are really diverse, you don't see diversity across a profession, if that makes sense. yeah um, but healthcare totally is there's just it's just really amazing. I think it's really cool to work with all sorts of different people.
0: Yeah, I think everyone
1: should do it. Work somewhere else,
0: do something different. I, I would love to work in another country, but my job does not exist in another country That is true. so the only way I could do that is if I went overseas with the u s government. So, and then you're kind of working still in a US healthcare facility. Ooh. So, not really the exact experience. Not
1: quite, but, but you'd be in a different place. Yeah. One
0: day. Well, if there's any UK nurses or foreign nurses that are working in the United States and want to share your stories on the podcast, share them with me. Get in touch with me at antidotespodcast at gmail.com or on Facebook at Podcast, And you can also follow our Instagram at antidotes podcast or tweet us at antidotes pod i created a facebook group basically antidotes podcast group and i'm going to be posting some content and maybe i will convince eliza to answer some <laughs> questions about her uk nursing Throw <laughs> Throw on their i'll be
1: just as brutal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> clearly we like to talk so we can talk a little bit sure. more on the facebook group and <laughs> get some people to join it and i'll post some pictures and just get people more involved in the podcast, but it's really taking off. So, thank you everyone for listening. We are going to be doing some more stories from more healthcare professionals next week, and I will see you all then. Have a good night. Bye bye.